Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Hey friends, I am super excited to go live here on YouTube and a little bit later on down the road on your podcast feed to talk about uh, a surprise movie in my book, Godzilla Minus One. So yes, if you're with us on YouTube, smash that like button, hit subscribe, share with a friend. If you're listening to your earbuds, uh, be careful every now and then there might be a Godzilla roar. So don't have your earbuds turned up too loud or we may get sued for hurting your eardrum. No, we, that probably won't happen. But hey, we're here to talk about a fabulous movie. I cannot wait to talk about this. We have to talk about this movie, Godzilla Minus One. And uh, a friend of mine, Trip Fuller, a friend of the show, uh, texted a group of us hosts and said, hey, I just saw Godzilla Minus One with my son, and we just talked about it for an hour in my car and teared up talking about it, and you have to talk about this movie. And I had friends tell me they need to go, I need to go see this movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it one of these days. But when Trip said, you guys need to talk about it on Systematic Ecology. Oh, now, now it's time to get real and talk about it on Systematic Ecology and talk about this movie. We're not going to bury the lead. My my co-host today, my my fellow kaiju monsters, are um, we all love it. And so it, there's going to be lots of spoilers. We're going to talk about this movie in and through and out and in depth. Uh, we're going to go deep with this one. And so if you haven't seen the movie, um, pause it, go see the movie, come back, listen uh, to the rest of this episode. And so without further ado, I'm going to invite some friends on this. Um, I can't do this show alone. So I'm going to bring some friends along and we're going to talk about Godzilla. So here we go. There he is. Yeah. There he is. Oh. Kaiju Monster number one. Kevin, Kevin, how are you doing? What's happening today on this cold Sunday afternoon? I'm doing great. This is by far like the best sound effects we've had on the show before. And I, I, <laughs> I think this should be like our new call. Like every time we start an episode, just because let's yeah, yeah. have a Godzilla roar. But it's definitely, man, I'm doing, yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're doing good. You're staying warm. I'm doing well. Stay. Yeah. I haven't been inside all weekend. So it's, you know, just hunkering down. But, uh, but, plenty to geek out on and happy to do that i'm excited for this one today all right so so as you said we're gonna have to do some more godzilla roars here we go there he is another kaiju monster there he is christian how are you doing today what's happening in your world it's a nice lazy sunday will it snowed up here in louisville i'm back in seminary i'm enjoying the snow and just relaxing relaxing and talking about godzilla that's what we're gonna do oh yeah yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I just came out of uh, the snow, took our, our youth skiing on their youth ski trip. I came back a little early because I had to preach this morning. I, I got the irony that I got more snow here in North Carolina than I did in Utah when I went out to Utah to chase snow for a bigger ski resort. But I got more snow here in North Carolina doing this ski trip than any other. So uh, but glad to be warm here to talk with you guys. Um, let's go around the horn and talk about what we've been geeking out on. That's what we do here at Systematic Ecology Christian. What have you been geeking out on lately? I'm now into Kingdom Hearts 3 and just got to the Big Hero 6 world and loving it, man. All right. Kingdom Hearts. Here we go. All right. I got my Diet Mountain Dew drinking game. It's a Sunday afternoon, so don't have too much. I guess that's just Joshua, but it has been going around a lot. That's that's good. All right. Kingdom Hearts. Chris, uh, Kevin, Kevin, what are, you, what are you geeking out on? You guys are going to laugh, but it's 2024. And for the first time, I'm watching Smallville. Like, uh, so I started from Ooh. the beginning a few weeks ago, so... I'm almost through season one. It's one of those shows, like, I knew I would like it, but and I remember, like, when I was a kid, it was on, but I was, at that time, obsessed with the DC animated universe. Yeah. And honestly, watching it as a goal is kind of more fun, because, again, it premiered in, like, what, 2001? So I was mm-hmm. early elementary school. Watching a high school coming <laughs> of age, like, a series, I think is just more meaningful to me now, um, and especially being able to look at it retroactively and look at TV of that era, look at how it, you know, reinvents the Superman mythos. Um, so I very much enjoy it. I mean, it's got it, plenty of its flaws, but yeah. uh, the first season has been, what I've liked most about it is that it, a lot of the episodes are like a combination of B horror movie with high school melodrama. Um, you know, they have a freak of the week, like villain um, scenario, and they have these really outlandish um, uh, stories that, you know, culminate well with the high school soap opera stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And I, I mean, my favorite part is just seeing Clark and Lois, uh, Clark and Lex, sorry, as like, you know, good friends initially and how that dynamic yeah. plays out. Uh, Michael Rosebaum yeah. is great as Lex. So, um, so that's what I've been doing. That's really what I've been doing a lot outside of like comics and stuff. I've been doing like um, at least an episode or two a night, you know, during the week. I, I love that because I, I was um, I probably would have been your youth pastor at the time when you were watching this show, uh, Kevin, uh, because I was watching this and I moved down to Florida, young family. I was I was you know, this is before the streaming stuff going on yeah. at Smallville. Um, that was a weekly appointment television for me because it was coming off uh-huh. the X-Files of the 90s and the Monster uh-huh. of the Week. And it kind of uh, Smallville paved the way for the CWDC universe, all that stuff. So, yeah, I definitely you, you're right. This, this should be um, a systematic ecology episode all by itself around Smallville and the portrayal of Superman and walking through. I, I really did like that show. I, I um, You know, of course, all shows kind of sometimes wear out their welcome there. It gets to the mm-hmm. end, try to figure out where it was going to do. How you age these people? Like, Man, what a good show. See, see, you lured me to talk about it more than just a quick geeking out. That always happens on this show. Um, I'll share where I'm geeking out. I'm geeking out on uh, a new comic book that dropped this week, an issue number one called Avengers Twilight. Did not know this was coming. Chip Zarsky, um, I think I'm saying that right, and Daniel Acuna, and uh, fantastic creative team. And think of Captain Mar- um, America in the twilight of his career. Like the super soldier serum has run throughout his body. He's an old man. He's, you think of it, um, Dark Knight Returns. Think of Kingdom Come. He's there at the end. He's watched the world kind of 30 years into the future, who everybody's still staring at their screens. You have um, a son of um of tony stark and the wasp uh actually out there running the show and think of 
yeah, Dark Knight and uh, Judge Dredd and all that stuff all together into one. It is a fantastic first year. I cannot wait to see. Christian, did you pick that one up and read it? I have. I enjoyed the first issue immensely. Yeah. Kevin, how about you? Have you heard about this? Is it in your pool yet? This, I'll have to check it out. I also like I went last week to pick up Ultimate Spider-Man and it was already sold out. So yeah. now they, they, re, they restocked. But so I might pick this one up when I get that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good stuff. All right. Well, you know, um, time to, to talk about the main event today. Yeah, there you go. So, um, guys, so we, yeah, we're spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Also, um, we're not going to bury the lead. We love this movie. We're going to gush all over it. We're going to love all over it. So that's that's no um, surprise. But before we start talking about the movie, I do want to just talk a little bit. What What's our experience with the Godzilla franchise? It's been around a long time. This particular movie is set in the 1940s because it's been a long time that Godzilla has been a part of the ethos and mythology of, of the East and also Western culture as well. So, um, Christian, we'll start with you in terms of, you know, what was your experience with the Godzilla franchise? Is this something new to you or is this something that's always been a part of your fandom and geekdom? This has been one that's always been a part. Uh, my dad raised me on these. As soon as the VHSs would come in, he'd get the bootleg copies from <laughs> Comic-Cons and stuff like that when you know we had the subtitle version only. And eventually we got some dubs along the way. Uh, I love Godzilla. Like I shared on the, uh, I think it was the Charlie Brown episode we did or maybe the one before that yeah. uh, f- for the holiday specials for Christmas that one of the best presents I ever got was a giant Godzilla that exists to this day. Uh, it was giant to me back then. It's a toy right now uh, <laughs> that is still in use by the kids my mom watches. So I love Godzilla. Yeah, cool. Kevin, how about you? What's your experience with the Godzilla franchise? So I'm the opposite in that I have very limited exposure. to. The, I mean, like, I always knew Godzilla was a thing, but like, I as far as the old movies, I, I mean, like, my dad loves, like, the original. I, I may have seen it at some point, but not really remember. And I think I had a Godzilla toy when I was younger. And then with the new ones, like, I've seen the new American, like, the, the one with Brian Cranston, where, where he's in it for 10 minutes. Um, and then King <laughs> of the Monsters. Yeah. I thought both those movies were terrible. Um, and the only ones, like, in the, like, I've always been more of a King Kong fan. So, like, um, so, like I love the original King Kong. I love the Peter Jackson one. Um, and then out of those, like, the kind of, like, I don't know what, university but the monsters universe with godzilla king of the monsters kong skull island and the godzilla versus kong the only one of those movies that i really like is kong skull island so i like i mean that was the thing so godzilla was never i mean nothing against it but i just had like more limited exposure and then when this movie dropped like i didn't know about it until the week it came out and i just heard everyone raving about it i was like yeah i gotta make plans to see it and then i ended like i and it's still i didn't get it to it until later in the um toward the tail end of 2023 went with one of my pastors who also had very limited knowledge and yeah we'll get we'll get into it but we both loved it um, yeah. but no i came in that was the guy i know a lot of people are huge godzilla fans i was an, it was not one of my like big phantoms growing up by any means um but i always knew it was a big like i think pacific rim is like the best godzilla movie i've seen in the last <laughs> like before this like that's basically yeah as far as kaiju oh, movies yeah i need to go back and, and rewatch it so you're saying you saw minus one with your one of your pastors yeah uh-huh yeah okay we'll get into that that's fun um so yeah for myself i grew up um 
on a bear island, the south end of Riceville Beach. And I don't know when, I don't know what came first, my nightmares or watching Godzilla or watching the cartoon or something. But I would have dreams as a little kid that monsters would come out of the ocean uh, behind our house and walk through our neighborhood, like looking into homes and stuff. So I don't know if it was just that's a universal human uh, nightmare or if... For some reason, the um, that was a, a dream I had as a kid, little kid, and um, a big part of in the ocean. I could hear when the ocean got rough. I could hear the buoy off the sea, off the jetty, making this kind of hum noise, and you knew there was something going on out in the water. So when I was little, that kind of freaked me out. I was like, "What is this noise I hear coming from the ocean? That's almost like this haunting groaning from the ocean." Eventually, I got a little older. I knew uh, that that means there are going to be good waves the next day. So I loved hearing that groaning or the buoy hopping up and down. So in the movie, when the buoys start going off and they're reading the buoys, I was like, yes, that's my dream. Yes, that's a surfer's, you know, not nightmare, but dream that the waves are big. Here comes whatever. So so that was kind of me when I was little. But I do remember, of course, seeing the movies on some channel on Sunday afternoons or Saturdays or, or whatever. They, they would play those kind of cult classic, pulp classic uh, monster movies and watch some Godzilla. And then they had a Saturday, mar- Saturday morning cartoon at some point point and then marvel had the rights yeah, Hanna Barbera. uh yeah hanna-barbera they had they had some of those um some of those cartoons so i've always um it wasn't one of my biggest fandoms of all time but i definitely liked it and i do like the monster i do like the monster of the week i do i list this um kind of evolution of godzilla as a monster that you don't know if they're a hero or a villain or mm. it came to bring uh balance to the world order yeah it's destruction it's not worried about the the common human underneath its foot but it's just trying to bring uh balance to what was unbalanced and harmony uh disharmony in the universe so that kind of uh plot thread that's been a part of the movies as of late um not necessarily part of minus one but that's something that intrigues me as monster island i like king kong too i like all the big monsters i want to see how they fight what happens a new comic book that's out there justice league versus godzilla versus kong is pretty good merging these universes together because they're hot properties um so so yeah that's kind of my experience with it and with this movie or move on to kind of what lured us to see uh, this movie. I, it was definitely on my radar. There's, you know, whatever's coming out of, of Japan or the East of, of new Godzilla movies. And you have movies in the West of this kind of the Kong versus Godzilla, but the, um, you know, the ones that are subtitled out from the East, they don't necessarily hit my, um, my movie theaters. And when they do, I'm kind of like, all right, who who is this? What is this about? But I definitely had friends that had seen this. Uh oh, you know what this means? Oh gosh, Jim Oscar. Time for some bad opinions. There it is. Uh, so, so yeah, here comes Joshua, another kaiju monster. I don't know if he's a hero or villain. Is he come to bring balance to uh, the universe, harmony to to this episode, or is he just going to smash us and not care who's under his feet? I don't I'm know. just trying to He's think. Destroy a, what's the worst opinion that I can share today? You know, that's what I'm here for. Well, we've already spoiled that we all love this movie. So you're going to have to say that because if not, then you're just lying to the people. Um, <sighs> nope. Save it. Save it, Joshua. Hold your hold your breath. We'll yeah, I can't think of anything bad yet. Give, <laughs> okay. me, give me time. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're just talking about what lures to me. I was saying that, um, you know, I like Godzilla. I go to the movies, the big ones, the blockbusters that are out of Western studios. I'll do it. But this one, I heard about minus one, the the poster of, uh, and we've shared it online, of the monster head chasing this boat, like looks like Jaws coming out of the water, is scary as all get out. And I was like, I want to see that movie. And I had friends suggest it. And as I shared, Trip was like, are you going to do an episode on this? And we were like, uh, I guess we should. So I'm going to go. I went to see the movie by myself. And it was incredible. I was blown away by it. So that's what did it. Um, Kevin, what lured you to this movie to go see it? You said you you went to go see it with your pastor, and I'm pretty proud of that. So what um uh, what lured you to the movie? Yeah, it was kind of word of mouth, and like I remember because it came. I mean, it came to the U.S. I want to say November ish, something like that. And like I mean, I like I said earlier, I only heard about it the week it came out, and then people were saying how good it was. So I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I was like, you know, but there was, like you said, there was a bunch of others that I had to see first. So, um, you know, like a lot of the, uh, like Oscar bait kind of stuff coming around the holidays. And then like the new Al Miyazaki movie, the boy and the heron, which is excellent. Uh, mm. so stuff like that. And then it got to be the holidays and I was making my top 10 of the year list and I posted it on social media and people like, wait, where's Godzilla? Have you not seen it? I was like, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to. And, um, and like, I just was waiting for a chance to see it. And then, yeah, it was like, what, the Saturday, right before New Year's, um, I texted like one of my pastors who we play a Star Wars RPG together in a group from like, he's a huge nerd. And I was like, okay, are you, have you seen it? Yeah. He's like, no, but I want to. So we just went and saw it that day. Um, and it was really cool too, because it was at a theater that's not usually terribly populated. And um, it had been out for over a month and there was still a decent crowd there at the theater. So uh, we also, he was also one uh, huge nerd as well, but also had a very limited Godzilla knowledge. And we were both talking before and we're like, do you know if you need to know anything before? Is this connected to anything? And, <laughs> right. and everything I had heard was it's pretty standalone and you really don't have to have any background. And that is very much true. So that was really just what lured it was word of mouth. And like, I had not heard anyone, not only not say a bad thing about it, but people were putting it on their top 10 or fa even favorite movie of the year list. I was like, All right, I got to see it. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, I, I love it that it didn't make your top 10 list. And people are like, are you crazy? Have you not seen this uh -huh. yet? That was kind of my thing, too. I, yeah. I listened to Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, and that was like his number one movie of the year. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh -huh. All right, man, the urgency was was there. So, um, yeah, good, good stuff. And are they talking uh, about like top 10 for the year? Or are they talking about just like top 10 in general? Top 10 for the top year. Top 10 for the year. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't even know if I saw 10 new movies last year. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess a streaming or, or theaters. It could be both in. Oh, okay. um, yeah, Christian, how about you? What lured you uh, to to see Minus One other than the Sismic Ecology chat? Yeah, um, I was aware of this coming out, but I very rarely see something in a theater unless I go out with my dad or brother. But uh, there was one guy I know here. Uh, he doesn't have many friends, and I felt sad for him because he asked me to go with him. You might know him. His name's Joshua. And we went to the movie together and had a blast. I oh, love this film so much. It, it is hard for me to restrain myself to talk about all the things I want to talk about yet because I want to give other people the chance to talk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was going to give that uh, a Godzilla roar for just the burn, but I, I think that's okay. We'll have a rate. If I had a radiation like um, zap, uh, I would have, I would have done that. I couldn't find anything, but yeah. Um, um, this movie is a lot about friends and community and family. So I'm glad you took somebody who needed, uh, needed some family and, and to put on their wing and, and, and draw them along. So, um, Josh, who, did you, who did you see this movie with and who brought you to see the movie? What lured you to see the movie? <laughs> 
Yeah, I um, I actually, I was really excited. I had a friend who is in seminary now who was in town and we used to go to college together. And I was like, oh man, it would be so cool if we could hang out. And I, I actually, I've gotten to the point where I don't see a ton of movies in theaters, obviously. I haven't seen 10, <laughs> but I was, um, I don't know, something like Godzilla. I'm like, you got, that's one of those, you got to see it on the big screen. You have to have that surround sound, the giant monster crushing stuff. True, true. That's true. I had to get you an air horn. You have to see it on the big screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I was just so excited and I was like, oh, I'm going to see it with my good friend from college. And it was so funny because at the end, we watched this and he's looking over at me and he goes, I thought we were just going to watch some monster shoot stuff. That was actual <laughs> art. And I'm like, yeah, that was cinema. That was true cinema. We yeah. were almost speechless until he spoke up and said, it's a good thing we do a podcast together. <laughs> oh. I said, yeah, and yeah, it was is. That, was that Mr. <laughs> Ashley? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Now I'm making some connections. Uh, you know, Kevin and I live in a relatively close quarter. We need to see a movie together and wow. then we can bond. We will make that happen soon this winter, my friend. Well, um, I was just about to say like opposite of these guys, I went to the theater I think I it was either 54 or 55 times last year. I go all the time. So wow. like I, I, yeah. I like I'll see anything on the big screen. Uh, but this especially and like you guys said, we'll get more into the story and the themes. But the pastor friend I went to see this with, we had just finished that week making a list of books and movies from the year Ooh. to present to the church about like um spiritual themes in them and stuff like that. Oh, and then cool. we so like we had already posted it the day before. Yeah. And then wow. we saw this and we we're like whoa, we need this to add this. So, so like Wes made another <laughs> Facebook post yeah. that as soon as we uh, got out of the theater to say like, everyone go see this because there is so much like, like you oh, said, yeah. th this is not just a entertaining monster movie. This is a piece of just cinematic oh, yeah. art. Yeah, I, I used to, back when Movie Pass first came out, I would go three or four times a month. Mm -hmm. I'd see a lot more movies in, but uh, my wife gets nauseous at the smell of popcorn. <laughs> And it's just one of those, like, it feels weird going to hang out without your wife all the time. So, yeah, I don't need to go to theater that bad. Yeah, that's that's a good sacrifice. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Catch us live at events we are holding or attending. Get updates when we post new episodes of the podcast. See our other favorite content that we lift up and support, as well as just see our beautiful faces and engage with us through messages. Maybe watch a reel and give us the feedback of what you think of the show. I was going to go down a road about popcorn. But, uh, <laughs> I love popcorn. Yeah, yeah, I do too. So, so let, let's talk about the movie itself. Like, um, what does minus one mean? I had to look it up, you know, beforehand, and I was like, oh, and then. Um, then then i saw the movie and and so this movie is godzilla minus one what does that mean you ask well think of yourself as the lowest of the low you've hit rock bottom and you don't think you can get any lower whatsoever and then a kaiju monster big lizard comes out of the water and smashes you even lower you're going to go into the negative level of of how you're feeling and how your life is going so that's what we think about godzilla as think of hitting rock bottom and then godzilla shows up and then you go even lower so that's that's kind of what this movie was was trying to say um it's it's set in context in the 1940s uh during world war ii 
in post-World War II. Uh, so it is a timepiece as as well and kind of sets in the historical context. Uh, Christian, you're, you're kind of the master of the summary of, of movies and comic books and, and things. So do you mind giving like a 30-second to one-minute kind of synopsis of, of this movie and kind of capture what was going on? Because it's not connected to Godzilla versus King Kong or Monster Island or bringing balance to uh, a, a world that's overrun by other monsters. It's just Godzilla and this kamikaze pilot who a failed kamikaze pilot who who has hit rock bottom yeah i'll do my best so it starts at the end of world war ii where our supposed to be kamikaze pilot koichi uh lands on an island that japan owns in the midst of this and says he's having engine trouble but really it's because he doesn't want to go through with it uh they're attacked by a pre-atomic godzilla Mm. Uh, who's just living in the area and it wiped out except for him and one other guy who will show up later in the film. Um, so he goes back home. Japan has lost the war. His house has been destroyed by American firebombing. Uh, his parents are dead. He ends up bonding with this young girl who adopted a, a kid. Uh, and they kind of bond together, become like the pseudo family unit. He gets a job as a minesweeper because there's a ton left behind from the war. That's when Godzilla first starts appearing, uh, wreaks havoc. As he does, uh, they try to distract him, fail miserably. Yeah, I may be getting scenes out of order here, but uh, he gets back on land. Uh, Noriko, the woman he's kind of gotten along with here, and him has gotten a new job. He tries to find her, save her. Godzilla attacks, devastates the city with his atomic breath. She pushes him out of the way and seemingly is killed in that blast. So he comes filled with revenge, feels like I'm going to have to do this on my own. Uh, Decides not to actually do it on his own, joins with the minesweeping crew he works with and a lot of civilians in Japan who are very tired of the way the government handled things, very tired with the way the military handled things. They're going to make their own plan to kill Godzilla so he doesn't do this again. And in the uh, process of this, he gets the guy, the engineer he met early on the island to uh, soup up a kamikaze plane for him to actually go inside of Godzilla and blow it up from the inside if this plan fails where they're going to put him down in the ocean, hope the pressure kills him. If that doesn't work, lift him back up and the pressure should kill him then too. Uh, goes through this. They manage to trap Godzilla for a bit. The plan fails. The plan fails again. And right before he can die, he ejects out of the plane. And we could talk about how that happens later on because it is foreshadowed quite well. Uh, manages to survive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Godzilla is dead, seemingly, because, of course, this is Godzilla franchise. You got to make more movies later on. And he gets back to mainland Japan, reunites with Noriko, who has actually survived the blast. And he becomes a little family with her and a little girl they've adopted as their own. And oh, no, Godzilla is still around. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, there's something there. Nice, nicely Why? done. I, I I think, you know, there's different arguments around Godzilla. It's like people people come to see Godzilla. Let's see monsters fight. You know, don't don't keep it like Jaws and keep him out of most of the movie. Uh, and then there's others like, no, it's a human story. It's about humans caught in between uh, the military industrial complex. And it's about, you know, fallout and grief from atomic bomb and nuclear war and those kinds of things. So I want more human drama. I think even though um, Godzilla may be in this movie, like maybe 15 minutes, how they lure him and what they show of him around the human experience of what's going on here is is absolutely brilliant. And and it is a drama. It is it is about 
you know, failure. It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about grief. It's about responsibility. And uh, man, those human elements, like I, I can't relate to anyone who's gone through World War II. I can't relate between a soldier who, um, who is dishonored because they didn't step up to their responsibility. But I can uh, relate to the human experience of longing for family and grief and losing those are love or trying to find your way in this world, not feeling like you have purpose. And, and on those heartstrings, on those universal themes of the human condition, that is, is what drew you into this movie, this fascinating. Wherever you are in your life and whatever you're wrestling with, whatever monsters you feel like you have to face, this movie will draw you in and pull you into that. So I think, man, they're just, they're just so much there. Um, Joshua and, and Kevin, is there something in there in the, the plot line there that, that perhaps Christian didn't highlight or something you want to lift up to make sure uh, we lift up before we get into kind of the major themes? I would just say, like, I mean, I mentioned earlier that the only recent Godzilla movies I had seen were the American ones. That, And I think a big problem with those is a lot of it, it, like, it's also focused more on the human drama, but in both of the Godzilla and King of Monsters, the human drama and the human characters are so boring. It's just like, you just yeah. want, God, that's why Second people complained, is like, you wanted Godzilla to no. come out and just kill them all because they had some great <laughs> actors, but they were, but it, they were so poorly written that I was bored out of my mind. It's the complete opposite here where that's what draws you in. You have this great story of, like you said, a kamikaze pilot who is dealing with, you know, uh, his loss of identity and, you know, feels the guilt of abandoning his post and what that means and, you know, what heroism means. And we'll get into all of this, but that's what really drew me in was it was good human drama through and through. And not just with him, but with the whole ensemble, you had characters that were really likable and you were rooting for them the whole time. Uh, and that in turn made you really see Godzilla as this massive threat and massive villain. And you wanted yeah. the humans to survive this time around. Uh, you wanted the humans to survive. And yeah, Joshua, what do you, what do you got there? You know, in terms of the, the theme or plot that, um, you know, before we get into the major themes. So first, uh, I guess my wrong opinion of this episode is I love the drama and the humans and the legendary monster movies. Okay, I enjoy it. Okay, don't you give him any any ground, Kevin. Let him have his bad opinion. <laughs> Look, I don't enjoy it anywhere near as much, uh, but I think it's because that's more of a political thriller. This was more of a a philosophical drama. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it's different genres, I, I, I would say. Um, and I just I love political thrillers. I love political themes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on a lot of our political episodes this year because I just have fun with it. Captain America is my favorite for a reason. Um, oh, there's an episode but, in the, the yeah. political nature of the the kaiju monsters. There you go. All right. Godzilla. Moves. Well, we do oh, yeah. have sometime this year. Uh, we're going to try and pull Nick back in so that him and TJ can talk about what if Godzilla attacked the town of South Park? So that'll be fun. <laughs> there you go. That, that's when we'll get into our politics there. But I um <laughs> I, I can't wait for that. That's gonna be later in the year, but I'm so excited. Um, which I don't know if you guys know this, but the legendary monster universe is the one that's currently crossing over with Justice League. Yeah, in, uh, in the earlier, comics. So, yeah. You've yeah. been here on time. So, You've been here on time. Well, you know, you know, yeah. I, I had stuff to do. I have to work. <laughs> mm. So I could afford to keep this podcast running. <laughs> uh, more important um, than Godzilla. If you want to help me keep the podcast running so it don't have to work so much, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash systematic geekology or the shop. You could buy some. Someone just bought a shirt this morning. Might have been me. We'll see. Uh, no, I am off. 
That was the roar of Joshua asking for help. Go for it, Joshua. The theme, and I know you touched on a little bit, uh, of just the the culture of of being negligent towards life and how it wasn't just a redemption story of our character. It was a redemption story of the culture. And that's something you don't see a lot of. And I loved that. I thought that was beautiful. That's what gets me excited when we're talking about this movie. It's just they, they built these planes, for kamikaze. They didn't even have an idea of an ejection seat. And how does the movie end? They build in an ejection seat. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It was great. Yeah. And what that's was the phrase? Really- Oh, go ahead. Well, sorry. Yeah, it was just the phrase of of, of live and survive, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the whole movie is this character surviving and not knowing if he wished he survived or want to survive. What's going to keep him surviving or not? What's going to keep him going? Where 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 does he even find hope in in this world? But I think, um, yeah, the idea of like, hey, the the concept and the shift is like, yeah, we're going to put an ejection seat here. Um, you're you're going to survive. Live. You know, look at this monster in the face and despite everything, live because you have something to live for. And eventually he gets to a point where he has yeah. something to live for in that family. But Kevin, yeah, what were you going to say about, I, about that? I was going to say, like, oh, Joshua, what you said, like, that's hard to do to have both the character focus and then these cultural themes so naturally embedded together. Because, like you said, you know, it goes from at the beginning when he is so, you know, in this culture of, you know, loyalty above everything to the government and it is not really sure why he's doing, you know, and that was the position that a lot of soldiers were in, you know, and then it gets to that middle point after Godzilla attacks Tokyo and, you know, here and now the survivors are brought together uh, because they genuinely want to help each other and they want to help survive and um, preserve their people for future generations. And yeah. it's a really beautiful thing how that was all that all came together in the story. Yeah, well, it's brought up a lot of interesting questions for me that I've I've been doing a lot of research on because uh. I'm just I'm a weirdo, um, because um, you're seeing the problem of how do we value life almost from the opposite position of what we see in America, right? Uh. In America, we're not usually talking about the how do we value humans' life after they're born. We're usually talking about before they're born. Do we want them to be born at all? Like that's where it's focused on. And in American churches and American culture, we're always focused on the individual, the person. Eastern culture is completely different. The The whole idea is, of course, we would ignore the individual for the whole. And to see the redemption story being one where we have to challenge that narrative and maybe the individual does matter. Well, that's weird for me because I assume the individual matters here in Western culture. So that makes me kind of flip everything and wonder, well, for us, what does it look like, you know, on this side of things where we overvalue the individual you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's the opposite of that scene of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers where it's, oh, you would never lay on the wire. Why wouldn't I just cut the wire? You know, it's the opposite of that. But they were talking about you would never make the sacrifice. Well, because in American culture, it's weird to make the sacrifice. In that culture, it's almost weird not to. And it makes me think in the Christian culture here, we're our countercultural. We're going to be about sacrifice. We're going to be about this. What happens when the culture is about sacrifice? What does it mean to be countercultural then? Is the Christian narrative just about sacrificing or is it about valuing life? Is it about something more? And that's something I find really interesting. So I'm curious how churches in the Eastern culture handle that in a world where it's not all individualized. Yeah. Christian, thoughts on that, on that nice little piece of reflection there on Josh, by Joshua. Oh, that was well stated. Um, because it's a general concept, especially in your Japanese society. It's like you work as a collective, like 
everything goes towards the whole ignore yourself do everything to not be a factor like we see time and time again, you know, in Japan, like the suicide rates are up, the depression rates are up, the, the fact that families aren't being built anymore are up because people are pursuing work instead of everything else because you're supposed to be that cog in the machine. You know, the cultural expectation is if you are not, then there's something wrong with you. You know, you don't necessarily need to be eliminated or anything like that, but you're not helping. So no one's going to care about you as much versus someone who does what they're supposed to. And even then you're not getting cared for because you're working yourself to the bone just for the sake of someone else or, you know, the group as a whole. And, you know, as from a more American ideas, because why would I ever do that? Like, what about what I want? And both of those come with very negative things. It's like, it can get to the point of pride. It's like, why would I ever care what anyone else thinks? Why don't I just get what's mine? And in this, like early on, like as soon as Koichi comes back, to see his devastated house, there's this poor neighbor whose name escapes me at the moment, who has lost everything as well. And mm-hmm. that he was a kamikaze pilot because she talked with his parents and somehow he gets to survive and her family didn't survive. You weren't working to what you were supposed to be doing. And because of you, we lost the war. And that's an irrational thing to say. But from the cultural context, you kind of understand, well, everyone assumed this is what you were going to be doing. How dare you come back alive? Maybe if you did your job, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. That survive yeah. the kind of the survivor yeah. survivor's guilt uh, with that, but that you know yeah, the, the the Godzilla legend is paired so much with this kind of PTSD with the atomic bomb. Uh, mm-hmm. What what monster is going to come get us now? And so this main character is for some reason, and they don't explain why. And I'm glad they didn't you know show show the magicians um, tricks or anything, but you know he's pair bonded with Godzilla. As it seems like. Whatever's going on with him and what he's done, the, the monster shows up that he has to wrestle with and do it and, it. and it follows where he goes. There's things that are happening. So there, you know, it's not again, it's not the um the the big monster island mythos or the center of the earth mythos, or there's need there's another monster that needs to be defeated to bring balance to the harmony. No, it's just this guy is wrestling with a pretty big monster of of weight of guilt the the weight of responsibility the weight of grief and and how is that going to be handled and for me what hit hardest what smashed the hardest was was this idea that it's not that he got out of it or defeated it alone there's a community there there are people that he he bonded with to help him bring it out of it and and yeah it's a small boat it had jaws feels to it it's like yeah you're gonna need a bigger boat uh but it's not about the size of the boat it's about the people who he's with who who they think through the problems and help bring them out and help give him a spark of hope later on so that that for me that that it had jaws vibes it has this uh, other kind of yeah monster vibe it's just it's just had a different flavor to what we've been used to in godzilla and that's focusing in on on family and community and friendship and who you bond with uh, makes a big difference in how you navigate a world that's very heavy uh, and is filled with a lot of monsters. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot like reading your Bible for some of this, right? Like it's, you're watching a film that was clearly made for a different culture, right? It's speaking to issues that maybe we're not dealing with and we're having to internalize that and say, how do I make sense of this? Cause you know, the challenging, this idea that it's not about the individual, that's we would never even think to challenge that. And when you read your Bible, a lot of times, instead of putting it in your narrative, you're reading this thing that's clearly written to someone else. That's like, what? Why are you saying this? Why are you doing this? And I think what would be interesting, and maybe this is a whole nother episode, comparing some of the American Godzilla films to the Japanese Godzilla films, because they are written towards completely different audiences. The yeah. American 
both, I would say, dealing with the aftermath of the atomic bomb and the American Godzilla films, we're dealing with what did we do to the the world? What did we do to, you know, eco? That's why you get a lot of like eco terrorist kind of themes in the Godzilla films, because we're thinking of like, have we permanently damaged the earth? Are we the bad guys? Are the kind of questions you're asking in an American Godzilla film? Yeah. In this Godzilla film, you're dealing with how do you deal with PTSD? How do you deal with the aftermath of your nation being basically wiped out? And man, those are two wildly different messages. And um, to yeah. be like Aristotle for a minute, maybe if we take these messages, we do like the golden meme. It's not all about the individual. It's not about the culture. Maybe there's a sweet middle ground there. The golden mean, you know, maybe it's a moderation, perhaps. <laughs> nice. Nice. Kevin, is it, what what theme in this movie? I mean, you you watch with your pastor, you're coming out, you know, you look at each other after the movie, and you're like, man, what? Yeah, that silence. What did I just watch? I can't believe I'm moved by this. I'm just going to take me a while to process this thing and think through it. And that's why we're getting with friends on this episode to talk about it because we got to talk about it with friends. What, what, um, what, what stood out for you or what smashed you the hardest uh, in, in terms of themes? I mean, I mentioned it earlier and I like everything you guys said, but like looking at the theme of loyalty is when, when Koichi starts the movie, he feels so much shame and guilt because he feels that he betrayed um, the government and the service that he was supposed to be loyal to by preserving his own life. And then by the end of the movie, he develops a different kind of loyalty that is more based on you know, his community, his people, um, the people that he loves, and he's no longer blindly serving a mm. government or anything, but rather he's acting and he's willing to sacrifice himself, even though he does survive, he's willing to sacrifice, sacrifice himself by the end because he's fighting for something he genuinely believes in rather than something he was sort of enlisted into. Um, that made mm. And so I really like how the emotional journey of his character coincides with that. And he goes through every emotion, I mean, shame, guilt, grief, um, vengeance, all these things. And then by the end, his transformation is through hope and love. And it's just so organic and natural. And that, and again, he gives himself permission to survive in the end because uh, he has something to live for. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, the stages of, of grief aren't necessarily, um, you know, uh, you check off a box, and you're finished with that and you go to the next one. It's more fluid. You hop around all over the place. I tell people all the time, it's not necessarily, um, you know, a checkbox and you you complete it, you you accomplish it and you move on and you you pass or fail grief. No, it, it comes out with you all kinds of different stages. And so, yeah, I, I think you're important. That's an important thing to say, like where where is this and where do you find hope leading forward? Yeah, Christian. Yeah, I've got two. Yeah. Uh, two more. And there's plenty more, but I'll focus on these two. The first one is found family. Mm. I, I yeah. really enjoy how this film handles that because especially um, even in our culture, too, sometimes mm. this idea of you know, a family that you just locate on the way in life is not something you really see a lot. And in a Japanese cultural context, this is like, they don't really the nuclear family no pun intended is not really that much of a thing in yeah. that sense that we look at it but it's like hey you're expected to be in this you're supposed to have the mom the dad the kids the kids listen to the dad the dad is supreme and then we have uh koichi and noriko and akiko here neither none of them are related to one another yet nice out of a love of one another they became something beyond that and eventually there is you know a very good love story here it's not like the main focus of the film but it's the two of them dealing with their own issues and actually becoming essentially husband and wife 
I tremendously enjoyed that, both of them together. And when she was revealed to be alive, as soon as the letter was happening, I said, thank God. Oh, yeah. She is still alive. I, oh, I yeah. enjoyed that. Even even though she is dealing with the after effects of the radiation, more than likely, and may end up becoming uh, the, uh, forgive me for butchering this term, but the Hibakusha, which is technically speaking a survivor of the bomb, which, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there's a huge cultural stigma around all of this because, well, no one really wanted to take care of them. No one really wanted to look at them. They were a reminder of failure. They're a reminder of mm-hmm. everything that they weren't able to accomplish. So maybe if there is a sequel to this, they may focus on that with Noriko. But the other thing I wanted to focus on was um, Dr. Noda, who is the other, one of the other members of this Minesweeper team yeah. who has a lot of regret in his life because of all the technological advances he made for, for the sake of winning the war that cost a lot of people's lives. And I don't know, I don't think there's any hints that he was in like unit 731 or whatever, whatever it is, which is like the extreme, extreme. We're doing chemical weapons, experimenting on people that would make, you know, Mingel blush. Mm -hmm. But it, it gets to me to the point that, that, that grief he's holding, everyone in this film has a lot of grief in their life, but him, how he can use science to reverse the mistakes of science really resonated with me. That's great. That's great. I, that you bring up the love story, and I, and I think that was handled well, too. It's not like over-sexualized. It's not like romantic. It's not like all this stuff. It is surviving together and then bonding with that and that love, <laughs> the mutual love for one another just to want to see the person make another day and live another day is what brought them together and kept them together and really what made him hit the ejection button at the end is le- leading forward. And so <laughs> I, I love that aspect of a lower, different way of, of a love story of what you would see in reality TV shows or The Bachelor or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, people like that stuff and geek out on it. No geek shaming, whatever. I'm just saying that this is a different kind of love story in this movie that I think is refreshing to see um, uh, yeah. in, in a film like this. I, I told my my parents, uh, I remember after seeing it, because they probably won't watch it because it's not in English, but <laughs> I remember telling them, I was like, it was surprisingly wholesome. And there's very few times that like usually when I watch a movie, I'll skip the love scenes if I'm at home because I don't, I don't want to see. That. I don't care about that. This I, it was worth it. You know, like I was like, I actually would be OK with more of it even. <laughs> but it was yeah. just sweet. Like, honestly, it was sweet. I liked them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as a as a father of two daughters and seeing a little girl and and want to take care. It, yeah. It, it tug on my heartstrings when it came to that about being a dad and what it means. And um, uh, yeah, the next generation that comes after you, uh, to whatever you're going through to make the world a better place for the next generation, I, I think is a big, big part of there um, and what you're wrestling with. Good. Good, good stuff. Other, other things before we move on to the next one, anything out there we're leaving out there. I know there's so much people, if you're watching on YouTube or listen later and you're like, well, I didn't, you talk about this thing was like, well, because this movie is so much you could talk about forever. It could be an ongoing series. Just talking about this particular movie. Let us know on our social media. Let us know oh, I would share with us. Yeah. One thing I said, so the theme of forgiveness, because the other thing yes. we haven't mentioned yet is that at the beginning of the movie on that Island, when Godzilla first attacks, so Koichi and one other guy survive and there's a lot of resentment between those characters initially and they have this journey together. It, I forget the, uh, the characters now off the top of my head, but, um, but he has this resent. Yes. He has this resentment toward Koichi for not firing the gun at Godzilla when he first saw him and, you know, being and views him as a coward initially. And then they realize together that, Oh, they've just been through this collective trauma and, 
yes, they're only human and they are able to see each other as that by the end of the movie. So that was a really cool um, subplot as well. Yeah, I so I, I wanted to also lean into because um, we were talking about forgiveness and forgiveness of self. Um, so part this also goes to the love story. Part of what was I, I really liked about the love story was how much he got in his way. He didn't want to forgive himself and also his own PTSD, how everything was following him. He didn't want to put her in danger. Uh, and, you know, I kind of relate to a de- to a degree, like after my accident, you know, I know I'm brain damaged. I know, you know, different things now. And it was like it was hard to choose to love someone because it's kind of like mm. I'm damaged goods now. Right. Like it's like, mm, do I really want them to be stuck with not the best version of me? <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's a, it's a hard thing to struggle with and to see that kind of put on screen. And it, it's weird because it's one of those things like I feel like maybe that's not for everybody. Maybe not everyone can relate to that particular aspect. But for those who can, man, that was meaningful. Like that was cool. That was good to see. Um, really did my heart good because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Forgiving yourself. It's a big thing. Yeah. And so the love story is not just romantic between you and another person, but but maybe there's a love story there just with yourself. What is your love story with with you and and how you see yourself um, is is a big part of that that story, too. I think that's a very good point to make out in terms of how do you forgive yourself, but, but how do you love yourself as well and see yourself as 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 valuable and as a part of this world and a part of community relationships and a web of relationships uh, that matter. So I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of this this hero's journey and this person is far from a hero but there's a journey there's redemption art that bring brings him back one one thing i also want to bring up too is as as we're talking about it, like you, godzilla gets bigger and more powerful the more it gets radiated right like there's a sense of that is how is this monster growing and that old native american um folklore you know what what monster or wolf you're going to feed the most fear or love that's just going to get bigger and stronger and so is there something is there a commentary in this movie about as much as we fight as much as we shoot and use these weapons like technology that godzilla's only get bigger because that's the uh the military industrial complex of of getting bigger and bigger and bloated and bloger and more powerful the more we fight against it rather than alternative means of maybe it's not fighting fire with fire maybe it's not fighting nukes with nukes or bombing the other people because they bombed us but maybe maybe it's a different kind of a third way of of what jesus would say turn the other cheek or or um um, sacrifice slash um loving the other person in a way that they haven't seen before what do you guys think about that theme i'm gonna do a silly comment and then bring it back to the serious part of that the not, not really silly more more just like a this isn't really as much about the theme and more just my own commentary i thought godzilla was way scarier when he was smaller like when he was able to like actually interact individually with people, that was just more frightening. He was like a bigger T-Rex. And I was like, oh, what is this? Because it wasn't quite a dinosaur. I was like, this is something weird that yeah. can move faster because he's not so big. You know, like it's almost like when it gets so big, it's it's beyond my ability to pretend Relate. like it's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It becomes yeah. Something surreal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, this whatever, like his first appearance, he was smaller. He was going after the people. And I was like, this is way scarier than the legendary films, Godzilla. All I have to do for that film is simply not be in a big city. I'm surviving. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. So there was that commentary. But then there's the, yeah, uh, that's why I'm going back to the choose life, you know, the Toby Mac hashtag. <laughs> but I, um, I really like that theme in the movie. You know, a lot of times, especially as American Protestant Christians, that conversation is just 
is abortion bad? But choosing life post to that, you know, do we choose war? Or do we choose life? Do we choose hate? Do we choose love? You know, that kind of thing. And just caring for individuals and people past just them being born. I think a lot of times uh, maybe requires us to find ways that aren't just war all the time. Perhaps. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Something about that ejection button. You know, it, it was dishonorable. Um, bailing on your ship is dishonorable at the beginning of the movie, but at the end it's one that gives hope and that it's oh, yeah. choosing life. So there's there's a switch and a flipping of the tables there, a kind of subversion of what that means of, of in terms of the ejection button and what that means um, for him and his life and how that's changed over the course of the movie and in, in the midst of the struggle. Um so, so there is something about this movie in terms of of hope and where you find hope. You know, there minus one, there's no hope, and go. You can if you don't think you can get lower, you're gonna even go into the negative realm of of minus numbers uh, uh, as, you, as you go deeper. But but as the movie goes on, there's there's teasing of hope, there's strings of hope, there's lures of hope for this person in the communities and the relationships that he's entangled with. There's your drinking game. Every time I t- say entangled, take a sip. Uh, um, yeah, that, that, that leads him. So, so where, where does our main character find, find hope? And then, and then for us personally, where, where do we, there's many monsters in the world. This is a monster of a year for 2024. There's a lot going on in this world. Uh, where do we find hope that draws us to keep moving forward, to hit that ejection button, to choose life and to live life to its fullest. Uh, Christian, we'll start with you first in terms of where does he find a hope and then and then where where do you find hope well for koitri it's family yeah it, it's and realizing that there's something beyond where i think i should be like by every right koichi should be dead he should be just another casualty list that some general may have looked at once and then moved on with his life mm-hmm. but instead he's in a position where there are people who need him that he's supporting them. And even as much as he doesn't want to admit it, he wants to be with them too and protect them in this strange little found family that is one of the most beautiful yeah. parts of the film. Yeah. So he finds that. It's like, can I, in good conscience, even at this point, he doesn't know Noriko is alive. Can he leave Akiko behind? And he says, no. And that's why we get that great moment where when I first saw the ejector seat, the, uh, the words written in German, I kind of looked over at Joshua in the film. I, I don't know if I said anything, but I had that realization in my head of, oh, that's probably from like a transfer from the Nazis. And they actually had ejector seats. So he's going to survive this film. <laughs> and so when it happened, I was like, yes, I was right. Uh, but, but for him, it's like, hey, I have something more to live for. It's not just me wrestling with my guilt, my survivor's complex and guilt over you know, what shouldn't have happened. I should have been a statistic. But because I'm not a statistic, I need to be a man. I need to be the leader of this family I have here and watch over them. And I can't do that if I blow up inside of a a kaiju's mouth. So he finds that hope, that will to live for their sake and for his sake. Now, for me, I mean, you know, easy answer, Jesus. Like, uh, you know, Sunday school answer, Jesus. But (laughs) there's a reason that there's a cliche. There's a reason we we go to him when we are in trouble and we feel like there's nothing that can happen to get us out of the situation. It's because he's the only one who can. How many times did Israel cry out to God after causing problems on their own end to by worshiping other gods or following their own plans and living in their own pride? And God, every single time, eventually delivered them. That tells me 
that that's how I should look at him. It's like, hey, no matter how far away I go, no matter how much I get too lost in myself or just too focused on my own pride or to say, well, I'm never going to be good enough, so why should I bother? There is a hope that exists because of the sacrifice Jesus did for me that he didn't have to do, but he did it anyway because he loves. And if he can love me as bad as I've been, well, maybe I should do the same, not only to myself, but the people around me. Yeah, I like I like that. That no matter how far you get, no matter how minus one or two or three or four or five or six or seven you get, um, God God will be there. And and that understanding of Christ going to the grave or going to rock bottom and even lower into the grave for us to drag and pull us out of it uh, into new life is is a is a fantastic message of good news for for those out there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna resist uh, trying to get on my my Easter sermon, uh, dust that off and, and start. <laughs> but I I think you're right. Like there is something about a wake uh, hitting rock bottom. That's a wake up call for folks. Not that God causes that, but there is something about rock bottom that that you know is a is a look in the mirror and go where where can I go from here, um, and then and then. Drive on us hope. Kevin, you know, in terms of seeing the hope in this movie, where 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 do you see hope in the world for you and 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 others and what keeps you uh moving and and uh choosing life? Well and echoing what Christian said about like in the movie, I think he has like a hesitation to fully love the family at the beginning because he's afraid to and um he can't you know, like like we've talked about he was like this cog in the machine initially and it's a journey for him just to surrender himself um to the love for his family and to the people around him and it's a really beautiful journey and i love how the movie handles that um, but i definitely agree there that that's where he finds his hope in um and then for me yeah i mean of course you know you can uh, like i christian said it really well and i don't want to just like repeat that but i think other things that are reflective of my faith like i find hope a lot in stories and in picture and like uh, that's what a lot of this podcast is about is like yeah. uh, i mean yeah it's not just you know oh these are just fictional stories that entertain us i like when i'm in my darkest moments like i like turning to media that i think it has a spiritual component to it that um does provide me with solace and can help me better understand myself and uh the world around me so i don't think those things are trivial at all i think like we can uh, use you know stories we can have you know rely on people around us. Um, and that all very much, uh, ties into our faith. Uh, I so, love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you hear a song that resonates with you, uh-huh. poetry, um, theopoetics, art, um, the uh, yeah, stories, the narratives that, that we that we follow and read are entertained by, but also give us hope because it resonates with our own story and our condition. That's a that's a fantastic point. And that's why I think there's a kind of a, um, timeless aspect to, to this story, story of Christ that, that resonates with the human condition and, and draws forward. Um, there is a there is a comment up here by Trip Fuller. I'm going to share in a little bit. I can't wait uh-huh. to read. Uh, but I'll, I'll share that in a minute. We'll let um, Joshua, you share yours and then I'll share mine and then we'll throw up Trip's comment up on on the feed. Oh man. Um, am I, am I just sharing where I find hope or am I supposed to like say the same well, things that Christian did about the movie? Cause he was right. <laughs> well, he summed it up. That's exactly where I was. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did great. Things in the movie, but yeah. if there's something in the movie you want to share about where, yeah. where you think it's, where it's saying you can find hope and then what brought him out of minus one into like life where, where you, um, you know, find, find that yeah. movie, but also in, in your own life too. Um, I'm trying to decide how transparent I want to be. I'm going to be pretty transparent because hope's important. Um, so first, you know, echo everything that Christian said a little more detailed. I love the part of the movie where in order to provide for his not girlfriend, not wife and his not baby, (laughs) he 
he of all jobs he finds a job where they're going to go looking for mines because he doesn't value his life at all he has no hope and it's in that job that he starts making these relationships and these friends so when he has given up hope that is where he finds the hope and i was like i love that i love it um especially at again you know this is something i can relate to i remember so many times uh so whenever i had my car accident when i was unconscious I, i had a dream and i kind of felt like i had this option to go on ahead or to come back and it was kind of a you have a ministry to do do you want to go help people? Do you want to come back? And I, I had that dream and I felt like I chose to come back. I came back. Maybe that was real. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Hmm. But I know I've had plenty of times afterwards because, you know, I live with this chronic pain. I live with all this stuff that I was like, I can't even think as clearly as I used to. Like there's these even math equations I used to be able to do that I can't do now. And there's several times that I revisited the place the accident happened and said, God, just let it happen again. I'm, I'm done. I'm over it. Hmm. And I've been to that point right, where I've completely given up hope. Um, and guys, this is my cheesy romantic story now i guess um you know who took my place at my job while i was out i came back i found the person who took my place there it was my wife that's how i met her because <laughs> someone had to fill in for me and it's just one of those times where it's like the thing that took the hope right the the time i was the most hopeless that's where i found love that's where i found hope that's where i found a reason outside of just hey i need to do these things because the church told me i need to help the world so i'm going to help the world and check off my checklist it's like no i found reasons to live because it was taken away from me. Um, so man, it was just so relatable. And when I think of like, personally, I find hope in those kind of things, like the people around me, you know, not to, not to support our show fully, you know, I you know, always like to plug our show in, but like I find hope when I'm in the group text and will says, man, Christian, I'm just so glad you're part of this team. After listening to that episode, I find hope when, you know, Elizabeth is like, Hey, I don't know if anybody else would understand. So I wanted to share with you guys, look at this thing. I just got it. How geeky it is. And like our little group chats in our team here, the relationships we were able to build. I'm like, I find hope there. Right. Yeah. Um, I find hope we're doing the whole church podcast. I interview all these people from across, you know, all kind of, different types of church and i'm like oh this guy's gonna come out and be like you don't need church unity because the bible says what the bible says and instead what he says is i think the bible says this pretty plainly but i could be wrong and i'm like man i find hope when someone says they can be wrong um i find hope listening to these obscure christian podcasts that don't get a lot of downloads i like checking them out sometimes because sometimes they're talking about politics i'm like oh man here we go and instead i hear nuanced thoughtful stuff i find hope in just little things um you know, right now, I think politics is a big one, right? That's where we feel the most hopeless in America, according to polls. Um, but you know what I see two years ago, Americans cared more than ever about our politics on a small level. And I think as that's starting to change, we're going to see the big picture change more and more. And right now, maybe it looks bad, but it's because of that bad stuff that people are caring more about the little stuff that I think is going to turn everything around. So that's where I see hope. In the darkest, like I, I'm trying to think of that Kingdom Hearts quote at the end of Kingdom Hearts one, where it's just darkness in the Kingdom of Hearts, <laughs> but then you see the one light, and it's the King Mickey with his Keyblade, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. In the darkest dark, that's where Jesus is standing, <laughs> waiting for us as the light in the darkness. And um, yeah, sorry, there. that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> uh, that that was good. I'm glad you're transparent, Shannon, because I think it's. <laughs> people to hear where you're coming from and what you've wrestled with and not. And yeah, it's, it's not like we, we share that all the time with folks, but yeah, to share that out, I think is important. And, and your, your thought of finding hope in unexpected places um, is a big part of this movie. He went uh, thinking he was going to find a job and just to do a job. And, and that's, let's find another way to, to die or, or get, get rid of my life. But um, 
but but a hope does emerge and and that's where i'll share it like i for me that's where i saw hope in the movie is the the found family and the community around him but also my own life my my family but also found family with you guys with uh, uh friends that i have had since um elementary school sunday school vacation bible school that were in youth group together that we got kicked out of sunday school class we're still best friends and text and talk through the week and we've all gone in our different ways but have our own families and still chat there's that friendships that emerge out of opportunities and doors through podcasts um and and opportunities for ministry that that keep drawing you that there is something larger than yourself that god has claimed you and 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 that you are beloved no matter what and is drawing you into um a moral arc of the universe that is bending towards justice and love so yeah can you believe a monster movie like godzilla is drawing out this stuff out of us to talk about it and that's exactly <laughs> what this stuff does yeah. I, I want to share uh we have a we have a comment here from from trip um who suggested that we do this episode. It's only appropriate that he does it. So yeah, hope first emerged in the felt obligation to protect a kid animated by his guilt, but it's transformed as he came to see himself in the pictures of his chosen daughter. He started to trust how she saw him and got the courage to seize life again. Yeah. Yeah. So looking, looking through others and seeing how they see you can help you animate your own life. And then there's another one. Oh man, look at here. We've always said trip is a man of um, impressive sentences and words. And here, here you go to fail as a kamikaze pilot is a denial betrayal of the religious, political, cultural system. He was born into when Elgin and I discussed it, he pointed out that in the movie, he is discovering a new frame of meaning for life post deconstruction. That made me think think of how sometimes he lose he lost hope because we believe oh because we lose hope because we believe it's attached to our vision of the ultimate and forget that our vision is just that ours human finite and god is definitely beyond any human account of things there we go mic drop um if if i had a mic drop um uh i would oh here we go here's for you trip Uh, good, good discussion. Everyone, um, yeah, we we could we could um, just talk about this more and more and more, uh, and we hope that that you will see this movie. If you haven't, man, if you've listened to this entire podcast and haven't seen the movie, sorry for all the spoilers, but it would still be worth it. Um, and and so so yeah, let us know what we missed or discussions that um, that perhaps uh, we missed in in there because it's a lot. It's a deep deep movie. All right, so if we're going to rank this movie, I, I think, you know, um, recommendation, we're getting late. We're going to not going to do recommendations when we're live. We're just going to, would we recommend this movie to a friend? And then how would we rank this movie? Kevin, we're going to you first. Oh, this is like 10 out of 10 for me. You have to <laughs> see it on the big screen. And there's also, it's still playing in theaters right now, but also they're re-releasing it in black and white uh, toward the end of this yes. month, which I would see that too. I mean, I th- it's great in color as well. Uh, but I, I would kind of see both versions. But regardless, you have got to see it on the big screen. Um, it, yeah, there's your recommendation. Yeah. There's your recommendation. Go see it on a big screen. Don't watch it on your phone. If you watch it on oh, your phone, okay. I kick you out. of. No, I can't. I can't kick you out of this group. You're, Try not you're to judge, this group but yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. realize, like, not everyone gets to theaters. It's okay. But just if you can get it on a big enough screen, um, that it is much, you'll, you'll just get more out of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christian. Where, where are you staying on this? For frame of reference, my favorite Godzilla movie of all time is Destroy All Monsters. <laughs> Not because it's a good film, yeah, but because it's a crossover team-up movie, and that appeals to me 
as a person who loves crossovers and team ups in my comics and my movies. <laughs> but as far as actual, uh, when Joshua and I first the film was ending, we were watching the credits. I turned over him and I said something to the effect of Joshua, we just watched cinema. Mm. And this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I was I was worried. Am I just, it's just recency bias? But I've had plenty of time to think since then. I love what this movie has to say about the themes. I love that we actually got a human story here because normally I couldn't care less in a Godzilla film. This made me care about the human characters. This made me actually want to see him them kill Godzilla, which is what I almost never want in a Godzilla movie. I want him to survive so we can have sequels and he can fight another monster and have goofy, kooky adventures. But no, this is the exact opposite of that. And it works. Yeah. I love this film. If you haven't seen it, yeah. watch it when it comes out in black and white. Yeah, yeah I, I plan to see it in black and white. But I think you can have both. I think that's the cool thing. That this is such a big franchise. You know, kind of like Star Wars. You have different versions: comic books, superheroes. You have you have the series. Yeah. You have the dark. You have the the vulgar, the the rated R. But you know, you have the light stuff too. The stuff that you go have fun with. They can sometimes draw and hold up a mirror to draw stuff out of you just as much. So so yeah, I think I think that's that's good. Joshua, where where are you gonna? I'm I'm nervous because this is the guy with the bad pants. I'm scared where he's gonna rank this thing. <laughs> Even his ranking system some is a little off. Uh, but but I'm I'm gonna um, trust him that he's gonna make the right choice here, Joshua. How do you, how do you recommend this film, and would you recommend it for a friend? I mean, obvious, yeah, definitely recommend it for a friend. Um, I don't think it has to be on the big screen. I, I feel as though there was not as much monster stuff as like legendary monsters. You're probably good watching it on a TV. Don't watch it on your phone. Don't do it on a phone. Okay. Oof. Um, good. All right. You say you save yourself yeah. a little bit there, but yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you have a TV that's like at least sixty inches or more, you're you're fine. It's fine. Um, uh, I'm still gonna but disagree. Make sure but, you, but have, you're make sure you have a good sound bar, yeah. though. You need the you need the sound effect at least. Yeah. Um. See, see, uh, if I'm if I'm rating it against other Godzilla films. I'd probably put it at a 10. If I'm reading against like monsters in general or horror in general, I'm probably like eight, put a solid eight. It was a really, really good movie. I loved it, but I definitely can think of monster movies and stuff that I liked more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, that is one of the highest things I've heard you rank though. An eight is up there. A Joshua yeah. eight is, is like a 20 <laughs> in Will's book. So, um, so that's, that's pretty, that's pretty mm. good stuff. I, yeah, I would highly recommend this to a friend. I'm definitely going to see it in black and white when it comes to theater. Go see it in the theater. That's my recommendation. Don't watch it on your phone or TV. Uh, but if you can't get the theater and you have to watch it on TV, I fully understand that too. We understand that. No geek shaming. Um, uh, I'll also recommend comics uh, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, so yeah, that's a good one. Going there with heroes. Good depiction of the Justice League and Superman and Batman. Batman's care for Superman and how much he loves him. You'll see a lot of emotion out of Batman, but boy, man, his care for. Yeah for superman this is is pretty cool so so yeah i will give this thing uh this a, a complete 10 uh it is it is a masterpiece in how you do film and cinema and directing and human story and monsters and special effects and they even have a boat in there and water and jaw like there's so much stuff there and so i i'm curious if it will win an oscar what kind of award is going to get foreign film regular film uh mm -hmm. favorite music i don't what yeah you you yeah. do you war shows kevin do you do you do you have a prediction of whether this is gonna be an oscar i don't think it will make like an oscar but like it's i mean it's gotten a lot of like pop it, it has been up for other awards and stuff i i don't know exactly how it works with uh getting something like this that um i mean it could i guess be up for a foreign category um but yeah. i don't i pay somewhat like with when it comes to award shows i like seeing 
actors and filmmakers that deserve it get the recognition. But overall, I don't lend a total a ton of amount of like credibility to them. They're primarily popularity contests, but uh, yeah. but like but I like when underdogs come out and win. It's cool, but I don't you know. But regardless, I don't really care if this gets that kind of recognition. I just like like that it's beloved by everyone who's seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I can I do a couple of recommendations? <laughs> Oh, did I did I cut you off listen, your recommendations? Yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't know uh, recommendations for pens. Listen. For uh since you mentioned the Godzilla vs. Justice League versus Justice League versus Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't know. I get the order yeah, out of that order. Three. Yeah. We got it right for comic book ketchup. That's what matters. If you're on our YouTube, go to comic book ketchup, check that out. That's <laughs> not my recommendation. Um I got to look closer to this Godzilla. Godzilla Here There Be Dragons, those comics. I love them. Oh. Godzilla fights a lobster kaiju at one point. So much fun for me. Um and also what I've been geeking out on, uh, Christian, last time me and him hung out, we played a game, Killer Bunnies and the Journey to Jupiter. Uh, fantastic game. So much fun. Uh, and I found out that uh, there's kind of some people petitioning to get the other expansions done because they never finished the game. And uh, so the more people care about it and play it and do this, stuff, the more likely I am to have a finished version of that game. So please, please, please play Killer Bunnies and Journey for Jupiter. It will take you many hours, but it's fun. <laughs> There you go. Are the yeah. are the bunnies um oh. like kaiju monsters that come out of the water and 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 oh. raise the We're in space this time. Huh? We're in space this time with bunnies. But there's Star Wars bunnies, Star Trek bunnies, Firefly bunnies, all kinds of weapons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I can talk over the outro music or not. Uh does that work? Am I talking over the outro music? Probably, but yes. hey, it's a part yes. of the podcast. And we like, oh, oh, Christian has a couple things. He's he or he's doing bunny ears. I don't know what just with that too. Oh. Um, um if you want a movie with similar themes that is also a Godzilla movie, check out uh Godzilla, goodness gracious, why would you do this to me screen? Stop that. Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah. I know it's Ghidorah. Don't at me. I pronounce it Ghidorah. Giant monsters all out attack, which is Godzilla possessed by World War II soldiers and forced to kill Japan. It is pretty dang good. What? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And then also for a manga side of things, that's also getting an anime soon. Kaiju number eight, uh, Japan fighting off kaiju threats. Pretty dang good. Yeah, I think a friend of mine shared that with me. Lee, Lee shared that with me. Yes, that's good stuff. Man, uh, Kevin, Christian, Joshua, doing this and talking to you guys is what keeps me uh, going and gives me hope and hits the eject button to keep going in life. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, again, guys, the music's getting louder. It's playing me off the stage. I, I got to keep talking. Smash the like button, follow us, share with your friends, all that good stuff. Man, we loved hanging out with you guys, and I love talking over this outro music and making Joshua have to edit this. The bye, guys. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. Hi, uh, my name is TJ. I'm here to tell you about the Systematic Ecology Shop. That's where we post all of our merch. It is hosted on uh, Creator Spring, and we have a ton of really cool merch, uh, mostly clothing. We have hats, extra soft t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and more. Our hosts wear them all the time. It's actually super comfy. Uh, we have glassware, mugs, which everybody loves a good mug. Fill out your cupboard. Get rid of some old ones, which is the part that I never do. That's why I have too many cups. Uh, we have cloth bags, posters, uh, and this, it's really stuff. We like to put our icons on there. We like to put quotes, uh, things we come up with. Uh, and it's cool. It's a cool way. And a lot of it is pretty subtle, too, uh, to show support for one of your favorite shows. 
And my personal favorite is actually our SG dad cap, which I've, <laughs> I haven't been reluctant to buy it because now I have to wear hats at work and then I get tired of wearing hats. But it's really cool. It's really understated. It is our logo right here. And then it says Systematic Ecology on the back. It's great. It's a really good hat. We have a few of them floating around. Uh, check it out. And if we could all just rock the, the SG dad cap in public, I think that'd be pretty sweet. If you love our show, you can follow the whole network in a single feed on Spotify at Anazara Ministry Podcast or the network page on Apple Podcasts. There you'll find shows like The Homely, The Whole Church Podcast, My Seminary Life, Let Nothing Move You, Dummy for Theology, The Bible After Hours, as well as mine and my husband's show, The Clies, where my husband Taylor and I go through weekly discussions in a devotional conversational method to help us all get closer to one another and God.